Welcome to Voices of Taos. My name is Laura Martin-Baseman, and I'm the producer of this new podcast from the Taos News. Every week, we will be bringing you a voice from our Taos community. Welcome to Voices of Taos. I'm Jeffrey Plant, assistant editor of the Taos News, and our guest today is Councillor Genevieve Oswald. She was elected in last November's local election and took office on January 1st. Welcome, Genevieve. Thank you, Jeff. I'm happy to be here. You've been a business owner in Taos uh, for a number of years. You you were uh, one of the owners of Shri Yoga, a successful yoga studio in Taos, and more recently opened an eco-friendly dry cleaning service called Clean Taos. And I think it's fair to say that your campaign for uh, council relied partly on your experience as a business person. Can you talk a little bit about what you'd like to see in terms of economic development in Taos? Do you think Taos is, is business friendly at the moment? And what direction would you like to see the municipal government go uh, in terms of making it more friendly to business? Well, that was a few questions in a row, Jeff, so I'm going to do my best to answer all of them. And um, this is a great place to start, so thank you. Because I think while we have a lot of issues that face this community and this part of the world, the primary issue that we all face is poverty and how poverty is affecting the lives of the majority of people in this part of the state. And I am from Taos. I was born and raised here, and I was not raised in an affluent family. I opened businesses with the desire to be able to stay in this community, to be able to afford a life here, to not get priced out. And I tell you, Jeff, it's really hard. I'm not really winning that battle. So what would I like to see in this community? Well, I would like to see it easier for people to open businesses, but the real challenge is enabling people who will benefit most from opening a business to open a business. And capitalizing businesses is really challenging if you do not have access to generational wealth. And, well, that's a really big problem that I don't think the municipality or even the county governments are going to be able to resolve. I don't even know if the state government can resolve this problem. But Making it easier for any business to establish itself, that's not necessarily providing the capital. That's up to the people who are opening their businesses to figure that that maze out for themselves. But making it easier for people to get applications processed, to establish their um, business in maybe pre-existing buildings or to build new buildings with uh, an increase of speed, a certain amount of urgency, that would be very helpful. And um, I don't have statistics. I can just look around and I can tell you that what I know is that it takes most people more than six months, maybe even more than a year to get their business open. Open. That's not even established. So that's a real disservice to people who are investing capital and investing in the community because businesses provide people with wages Wages provide people with revenue, and then revenue recirculates into the community as money spent. So every business that establishes itself here and employs people who live here and pays people who live here a living wage is contributing to changing the story of poverty 
at least in Taos. And that's a big deal. So one idea that's been floated uh, lately uh, that the council has not yet taken up formally is uh, is to address the vacant buildings that are in the downtown area particularly. Uh, are you in favor of enacting some, some ordinance that uh, incentivizes property owners? I would very much like to see a vacant property uh, fine ordinance and a fair one, mm-hmm. you know, not something super punitive, but something that definitely puts pressure on these property owners to get tenants into their buildings. And I don't know the complexities around why tenants aren't in those buildings. And it's not my responsibility to know that. That's the relationship between the property owner and the tenant. But the town can definitely codify into law um, a requirement for a property to be um, occupied and or a fine to be paid. Yeah. And before you were uh, elected to the council, you sat on the Planning and Zoning Commission. I think you probably gained quite a bit of experience uh, attending those meetings and uh, reviewing applications and zoning changes and that sort of thing. Um, before that, uh, you ran another campaign for office. And I'm told when you were younger, you ran for president of the United States. Is this true? <laughs> uh, well, I never filed on an official ballot and there was no real campaign other than um, I wrote and produced and directed and starred in a one-woman one show called Genevieve for President. So that was, uh, you know, a farcical foray into politics. And um, because the the statute for running for that office is, um, well, it's simple, but it's significant. It was to me at the time. You have to be at least 35. So at the time I was 21 and was declaring my my uh, my run for 2016, which I backed out of, by the way, never really made the uh, steps there. But you stayed in <laughs> politics, and now you've uh, you've gained a seat on the uh, on the town council. Uh, you are one of three women now sitting on the council. That's a first for the town of Taos, uh, majority women council. Do you think the town is uh, prepared to work with a majority woman council? We are 90, um, 91 years into being an established municipality. I certainly hope we're ready to work with a majority female council. Do you do you see any obstacles as far as uh, relationships between the town's leadership, um, department heads, uh, staff generally? Um, you were in the meeting on Tuesday night, and the subject of misogyny was absolutely raised by a co-council woman. And the experience of being a woman in the 21st century is only moderately different, I think, from being a woman in the 20th, 19th, 18th, 17th, 16th, 15th, we can go back. And will I encounter misogyny? Certainly. Will I encounter difficulties in structures that are built to empower the patriarchy? 100%. Will I face them with courage and some grace? You bet. Thanks for answering that. A uh, couple of issues that I thought to, to bring up uh, in this interview, uh, 
or sort of long-term items that that have been on the uh, on the town of Taos's uh, agenda, such as home rule. I wanted to ask you about home rule. It's a it's a it's a it's a concept that allows municipalities in New Mexico to formulate their own policies and laws as long as they don't contradict state law. Uh, there are several changes the town of Taos could make were it to become a home rule municipality, uh, including changing the format of its council, adding a counselor. Uh, it could also raise its own minimum wage. This is something that, that Santa Fe has done as a home rule municipality. Uh, there was an effort spearheaded by Mayor Pascual Maestas to uh, have a, a home rule charter commission compose a charter kind of like a constitution for the town of Taos. Uh, and then eventually voters would have, would have uh, decided whether or not to accept that charter and enact it and become a home rule municipality. Taos is, a, is a, a unique place, and I think a lot of folks can see why it would benefit from being a home rule municipality. However, there was some pushback on that as well. Uh, what what would you like to see in terms of uh, the home rule discussion moving forward? Uh, are you in favor of the the town exploring again a charter, and how would you how would you like to see that go differently were it to were it to uh, be taken up again? Well, what I've been saying to most people on this topic right now is that body's not even cold in its grave, and maybe needs some time there to just rest. Maybe we need a, a, a funeral or a service. Probably a post-mortem would be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know it's been requested a few times by myself included. I was very in favor of pursuing a home rule charter for the town of Taos. I see the benefits outweigh the um, restrictions or the pitfalls. I don't really think there are many pitfalls. The biggest pitfall is leading the process with a vision, building trust, and then bringing everybody along and getting the vote for it. Um, this process completely failed. And I will not say anything to you, Jeff, that I wouldn't say to the people involved. I feel like the leadership involved in the process was lacking. And I feel like the commission itself did not understand the charge put in front of them. And... Um, in the end, it was a stalemate. And Santa Fe has a home rule charter, and their constituents just voted for a high-value transfer tax. And, uh, well, we'll see how that plays out for them. But that in itself would be one significant and super valuable reason for our community to get back on board with pursuing it again at some point. And I should because say again, I... poverty is the thing that we are all fighting. And can you briefly explain what a what a, a high value transfer tax is? It has to do with property transfer. Property is over a certain value that's determined in the ordinance. Uh, in Santa Fe, I believe it's over a million. Properties over one million have an additional tax on them that goes to the municipality. And then the municipality gets to decide where that money goes. In our municipality, affordable housing would be an excellent place to place that tax. And Genevieve Oswald, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, let's talk about affordable housing. All right. 
We're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our publisher. Hello, I'm Chris Baker, the publisher of the Taos News. I hope you're enjoying the latest episode of Voices of Taos. Our talented staff works hard to bring you the best in local news and entertainment, and we couldn't do it without your support. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Taos News. If you're already a subscriber, thank you so much. By subscribing, you have 24-hour access to our online edition and receive the paper delivered to your home or business. And you also get 25 magazines covering the finest of northern New Mexico, including Taos Women, Tradiciones, and the best of Taos. To start your subscription, visit us at taosnews.com today. And I appreciate your support. Welcome back to Voices of Taos. I'm Jeffrey Plant, assistant editor of the Taos News. And our guest today is Genevieve Oswald, newly seated counselor of the town of Taos. Welcome, Genevieve. Thank you, Jeff. Before the break, we were uh, talking a little bit about affordable housing, specifically uh, what a high-value property transfer tax might or might not do for a town like the town of Taos. Uh, But was it last year, the town of Taos and the county of Taos uh, put together the Taos Housing Partnership, uh, uh, sort of a major initiative to try and organize a response to the affordable housing crisis in Taos. The median home price in the town, I believe, not the county, is $500,000 more or less. Not only are the home prices high in Taos, but there's a shortage of rental housing affordable renting, rental housing, and just uh, housing in general. Uh, some folks would like to see a stronger ordinance restricting or regulating Airbnbs, vacation rentals. And uh, it's, a, it's a real issue that, that many of us who live in Taos face. And uh, I'm curious what, what you would like to see the town do differently or maybe in stronger measures to to address this. I know it's a it's a topic at the legislature this session. Uh, a lot of municipalities are looking forward to maybe getting some more support from the state to address this. Uh, what's 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 your take on the affordable housing crisis in in Taos right now? And what what can you do as a counselor to Jeff, address it? I have lived in Taos my whole life. I've been a working class person my whole life. And homes have never been affordable for people like me. So I want to say that this situation is not new. And again, affordable is a term that changes depending on income. So this conversation, one, has to start with how do we increase potential for income for the people who live here who are undereducated and under-credentialed, all right? The other thing that is on the minds of many people in this community is how do we prevent the dilution of the community from wealth coming in and accessing life that is affordable for them? And that's something that the town of Taos can absolutely address by changing our code, by changing our building code, allowing for more density infill, and codifying into law that all new development 
and we do mixed-use development in town. And all new development requires 20 to 30% affordable housing. And maybe even call that low-income housing so that we have a socioeconomic diversity that keeps our community rich and complex and real. And when people say they don't want Taos to change, a big part of that is they don't want to see the um, eccentricities and deep culture of this community diluted by people who value um, things that seem more shallow to us. And those kind of uh, changes that you're describing, there's an opportunity to, to address that in this year, as a matter of fact. I believe the council will be uh, reviewing its land use. We have. Code. So on my time on the Planning and Zoning Commission, we moved the Taos Comprehensive Plan forward into the stage three part of the plan, which is rewriting our planned use development code and that uh, process has begun. The finances have been brought forward and a consultant has been hired. So we're moving in that direction. And I am really excited to be serving in this office through this conversation. I also think that our community needs to uh, rethink its ideas around manufactured homes because uh, modular homes and manufactured homes, whether they be trailers or something else, is actually accessible and affordable for people who are working in the service industry, for working class people. And I'd also like to see us consider um, moving towards doing something like they're doing in Colorado with the Vale Indeed program and the town finding a way to build up a coffer of money that it enables people in this community to become property owners with. And that project is really interesting what those communities are doing is they are buying the top line of deeds on homes and making them um, the requirement of that home is that people who live in the county work 40 hours a week in the county. Uh, people who live in the home work 40 hours a week in the county. And that doesn't mean people who own the home. It means people who live in the home, which means the market value of the rent has to stay in a range that is affordable for the people working in those uh, jobs and in those communities. And this is another way to prevent the dilution of community, right? Because that's what housing about is about. The people who can afford to live in a place do. That's interesting. So that's a way of sort of reserving some of the housing stock for locals at an affordable rate. And enabling them to become owners in the property. So the way these cities do it is they buy the top line in the deed. That uh, that price is 10 to 15% of the value of the home, and it's unrestricted in how it's spent. So what's happening is a lot of first home buyers are using that 10 to 15% as the down payment on the home. That deed line stays in perpetuity, right? So you can sell the house, but that top restriction stays in the sale, which means that the, the municipalities are also building assets. So as far as buying properties go, <laughs> we just spent a lot of money on a property that no one's going to get to live in. And I feel like that was a fail. Right. Speaking of property transfers, there's been a number of transactions between the town and the county. 
this past year. And the town has, uh, in the process, acquired a new park, Philemon Sanchez Park, which it is uh, rehabilitating, uh, to use a phrase. It's, uh, it's in sort of poor shape right now. The town is really, really ambitious about uh, bringing that back to life, making it a community resource that many can use. Uh, at the same time, it did rather controversially, the council, just before you took office, uh, did rather controversially purchase a $2.1 million bank building uh, on the corner of the plaza downtown. And it doesn't exactly have a plan of what to do with it quite yet. Uh, but it kind of brings uh, up the larger topic of the assets that uh, this, this, this municipality does have and its ability to use and care for them. There's a, a, a restructuring of the fees that are charged for uh, not just uh, facilities like the Children, Youth, and Family Center, but uh, the TCA will also be subject to this, uh, Kit Carson Park, really everything. And it's a way of generating revenue to uh, maintain these properties. But what's your take on the, on the status of, of the town's assets and uh, the place that this U.S. bank building on the corner of the Taos Plaza uh, could, could hold in that, in that list of assets? Well, uh, before the council had the executive session meeting while I was still a counselor-elect on December 28th. I sent the entire voting body an email letting them know my position on that purchase. And I'll share that with you and the constituency. The um, bank is a prime commercial property that generates lots of CRS taxes for the town and when occupied also provides jobs. And the town has a abundance of physical assets, property assets that are in disrepair and the maintenance of that has been deferred for too long as far as I'm concerned. The investment in the building on the property and just purchasing it is not the uh, price it will take to make it a usable structure for our organization or whatever it is that comes down the line to be used. So that's just the bottom line. My primary contention with this purchase is that, as far as I know, no one was asking for this from the constituency. The constituency wants homes. The constituency wants sidewalks. The constituency wants to feel safe. They want their uh, police officers and firefighters to be paid. They want those departments to be full. They want their infrastructure to work. We would like our wells and water lines to operate correctly. And um, nobody was saying, please buy us a bank on the corner of the plaza. So that's my number one contention. And my number two contention is that while, yes, it is absolutely legal to have these conversations in executive session, when a decision that gets made that's going to spend 2.1 million taxpayer dollars, it is the responsibility of the people making that decision to explain clearly why. And we got some uh, 
news yesterday from the town. I confirmed this with town manager Andrew Gonzalez. Uh, speaking of property transactions, there was a uh, Taos news story last year that revealed the plaza. The Taos Plaza is actually owned by Taos County. Uh, last Friday, according to town manager Andrew Gonzalez, he informed Taos County that the town will no longer be responsible for the maintenance of the plaza. And this is, this is something that took more than a year, really, to, uh, to come to fruition. And I haven't heard back from the county at this juncture. Uh, but it appears that the town will no longer be responsible for the plaza. Uh, what's what's your what do you what do you think of this? Is this is this a is this a sort of an unloading of a of a property that now the town doesn't have to take care of? Is that a good thing, or does the does the plaza belong in Taos's hands, or does it even matter? Well, I think it's a very interesting time to come into office, Jeff. There's some pretty uh, contentious stuff right in front of me, isn't there? Taos Plaza has been a center of rural territorial life for centuries. It existed as the center of life around here before the town of Taos became a municipality. Um, I don't think that it really matters who owns the plaza. What I think matters is that we see our community there and that they take pride in being there and that both organizations, the county and the town, work together to make that space the heart of not only the small boundaries of the town of Taos, Taos proper, but also the greater boundaries of the rural territory, which, you know, at one time expanded beyond the county boundaries and still really does. So that place is a, it's the central meeting place of this territory for centuries and should continue to be and should be identified by everyone as belonging to them. So in the last 20 or so seconds we have left, tell me the number one priority you have as a counselor in this year. Well, I would really like to help change the um, tide on the way that our community perceives the way the work uh, that government is doing is getting done. Because we're all working really hard. And uh, everybody wants to do good for the community. So if I can help make a change there and that the community feels as proud of these efforts as the people who are doing the work feel, we'll have done something good. Excellent. Thank you, Genevieve Oswald, Taos Counselor, for being our guest on Voices of Taos today. I'm Jeffrey Plant. Thank you for joining us for Voices of Taos, a podcast by the Taos News, produced by Laura Martin Baseman. Our music was produced and arranged by Miles Bonney, featuring musicians Francisco Velarde, Ruben Hernandez, and Margot Macias. Please join us next week for another episode of Voices of Taos.